got the wrong shoes on, man. You got on white Adidas. Everybody know the shoe is nice. Nothing holds a nickel next to night. Ask Ivan. Ask Preacher, man. What kind of shoes in your feet don't matter? Come on, Preacher. Bullshit. Don't matter at all. You know God made black beautiful. God made booby beautiful. Black and strong. His mouth keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when Booby knocks some fools out, Booby gonna knock him out with black knights on his feet. Ain't that right? I could knock you out in a pair of flip-flops. Yeah, well, I'ma knock him out with knights on my feet. And I'ma smile when I do it. Hijabs, hoodies, afros, locks, teddy bear, liquor bottle shrines, rocks, tanks, prayer rugs, church pews, Mexican corn stands, blood, sweat, and tears, police batons, gas masks, and bullets create graffiti on corners. Murals that salute freedom or death for liberty, be it Inglewood or Egypt, Bed-Stuy or Baghdad, Syria or Liberia, the West Bank or the West Side of Chicago, where food and liquor stores still occupied the block, while police and community watchmen justify why they shot. Emmett Till and Malice Green, Rakia Boyd and Trayvon Martin, better not wear that hoodie while shopping for a carton or whatever they're selling in your food desert, cause your soul is dessert and will be dissected and consumed on the Fox Evening News while we sing the blues. The new Jim Crow cage bird sings cause he's tired of occupying his misery and of our marching. He wanna fly to a higher consciousness, but his school on academic probation. They gave him medicine, diagnosed him with a felony and mental retardation. So he refuses to cease firing. Nobody's hiring. In Texas, 67 is the new age when you retiring. Class lines have been blurred. Those who used to have, have not. Pensions being snatched. Those who never have keep their hands stretched. Social services being cut. Thinking protests are temporary and trendy? Well, rock a t-shirt and carry a poster and two weeks later, it's back to normal. But they say times are changing. The revolution is becoming second nature. Causes are combining. People carrying torches, hope burning from their hands, attaching explosive devices because they keep stealing their lands in the name of freedom. Hijabs, hoodies, afros, locks, teddy bear, little bottle shrines, rocks, tanks, prayer rugs, church pews, Mexican corn stands, blood, sweat, and tears, police batons, gas masks, and bullets create graffiti on corners. to the real podcast a 607 production what does being real mean to you i'd like to take this time out right now to have eight seconds of silence for the late great kobe bryant hope you enjoy What's good, y'all? Like MJ95.
I'm back, baby. It's been three years, three long years, but it's finally good to be back. I know y'all see what's behind me. We're back. We're, we're revitalized. We got, let, let, check me out. Camera one, you good? You good? Camera two, you good? Hell yeah. We got lights. The mic is still active. Come on now. I know y'all see what's up here. The Real Podcast. We back. It's still a 607 production, but we're back. Brand new, better than ever. Ready to, to connect with all you guys that, that was with us since the 607 podcast supporting us in all different countries. Man, I know y'all still waiting us to hear, hear us in, in France and Italy. I think we even had a person in Brazil. So I'm, I'm so excited to be back with you guys. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Stay tuned. Strap in. Lock in. You know what I'm saying? What does real mean to you? For me, real means being revealing, encouraging, authentic, and love. And that's what today's episode is going to be about. That's what, I'm going, that's what I have for you today. It's going to reveal who I am inside, but it's trying to encourage y'all to be, to be open and honest. I'm going to be, like I said, honest and authentic as I can, but it's going to come from a place of love. And so if, if you enjoy what we used to do with the 607 podcast, you're really going to enjoy what we got here at The Real Podcast. Oh, before I go any further, got to give my, my, my thanks and my shout outs real quick. I know you know I got a uh, shout out to the man upstairs, but who I have here on earth, I got to I gotta throw a special plug out for my kinfolk, Joya. My cousin, she's been my, my, my backbone, helping me get through a dark and heavy place during these past couple of years. And she's going to school and is about to graduate to be a, a licensed therapist. You know, support Black-owned businesses. She's been my therapist unofficially for about 10 years. I can't wait for her to be an official one. And I promise you guys, you're going to see her, her words and her efforts ooze and permeate through this podcast because she's been such a integral important part of my success story and so I can't wait for you guys to be able to to experience experience that with me and you know when she's uh she opens her own practice you should book an appointment for real it'll change your life you know I gotta do my my RIPs if you know me you know I'm a big Kobe fan so RIP Kobe Gigi, the Chester family, the Octobelli family, everyone that died in the helicopter crash, uh, R.I.P. Chadwick Bozeman, R.B.G., John Thompson, the basketball legend, and, and John Lewis, George Floyd, and it's still justice for Breonna Taylor and countless others. So like I said, we're back, and and if you remember, if you know me at all, I'm, I'm heavy and big on giving people a voice, and so that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast, I can't wait for you to guys to see who we have on the show. Uh, you know, we're coming back with our with our co-hosts Fred and Aaron. They've been they've been staunch supporters and have started their own businesses. And Aaron went to Vietnam and Colombia, and he had to do a couple of things. And Fred started working for an accounting firm. So it took a little bit and a little time for us to to really be able to come back and regroup. You're gonna love the stories that we have. We have plenty of stories plenty of life lessons that we've gathered over the past few years and so I just can't wait for you guys to lock in with us and and enjoy what we've been going through but come on now without further ado I know y'all want to hear what's been going on in my life 
since uh, since during this 2020. How I've been coping with everything that's been going on in the world. Man, it's been a time of reflection and being able to explore my internal, my external thoughts and circumstances. You know, when Kobe died, I thought he was an untouchable. Kobe can't die. He gonna live forever. He might live longer than me. And it's crazy because I booked a flight, a trip out to LA two or three days before he died. And I, that shook me because I knew that I thought he was untouchable. So that pushed a sense of urgency in me. And, and I, I said, I don't have time to, to wait. Like, why, why not? Why not me? Why not I go out and, and see what I can accomplish and see who I can impact? Kobe was all about storytelling and changing the world and being able to have other athletes and other people tell their stories to the greater public, to the greater world. That's what I'm trying to do here. And, and I don't care if I get four, four listeners. I don't care if I get 4,000, 400,000, 4 million. I'm going to come real as I possibly can because I want to hear your story. And I'm going to start with sharing mine. So like I was saying, I've been feeling maxed out and, and burnt out. And I felt like a failure in everything that I was doing in life. And then as I started to really, and we're going to go deeper into this, but as I started to really explore my feelings and emotions, I realized that the feelings and emotions in the brain, it all works like a muscle, right? And so I learned early on that you got to have the right workout partners, right? You got to have your right support group. And I I learned early on going my through my 2020 year that I have placed strategically some really great individuals in my life from Joya to Lori to my circle of greatness at Greater Mount Zion. There's just people and you you start to realize when people are just when you're genuine with people and you connect with the right people that your spirit and that your energy gets you to the people that are meant to impact and help save your life in whatever capacity that they may need. And so I, I promise you, even if you didn't know that I was going through depression, or even if you didn't know I was going through a hard time, I just want to say thank you if you reached out. Thank you if you were part of the journey. Thank you if you were part of helping save my life. Because life was hard and, and it hit unexpected, not for just me, but for many people. And so for that, I want to say thank you. Because life is about the journey and it's not always about the destination, but it's about the people that you got to go on the journey with you. But man, isn't it hard being a black male in America? I mean, we already knew what it was like during a regular year, but during 2020, during COVID, during the pandemic, and then George Floyd gets killed. Let me tell y'all something. I didn't watch that video for about a week, almost two weeks, just because I didn't want to see another black person get slain on the streets again. But what was even scarier was I didn't want to become numb to that and hear a strong black man cry out to his mom and no one be able to save him and know that his dying words 
was calling out to his mother. Just sit back in that because I had to sit in that numbness and that reality. And that was the scariest thing is I didn't want to see that and become numb. When I watched the video, I wasn't numb, but it broke me. I didn't have tears. I didn't have anything. I just had a feeling of emptiness. And I thought, what can I do? And so I started to, and thankfully, like I said, I had a lot of good people around me. So a lot of good people started reaching out to me to make sure I was good. They wanted to advocate for change. They wanted to talk about their feelings in their own, um, how they were handling and coping with, with the, the video and the reaction and the protests. I went to a lot of good protests here in Austin and I saw a lot of good people here trying to advocate and, and want and demand change. And it was a beautiful thing. Look, black is strong, black is beautiful. So it was great to be able to see that out and about, especially in Austin. Especially in Austin. If you're from Austin or you, you lived in Austin, you know what I mean when I say that. Going into that, I had a lot of in-depth and deep and personal conversations with people. And it showed me a lot of good and a bad. It showed me a lot of people that may be ignorant. It showed me a lot of people that may have been closed-minded. But it also showed me that a lot of people are willing to learn. Right? Like I said, I'm an eclectic person. So I draw from a wide background and a wide um, and diverse thought set and I'm able to bring that together kind of mediate between different groups and different types of people from different backgrounds and I'm also quixotic which means that I'm very idealistic and I see a lot of good in people and, and I just have a, um, an optimistic or overly optimistic out view of the world like I said I it's good and a bad thing because it allows me to not just pre-assume that someone is gonna come at me in a negative way. And so I end up having more positive reactions and more positive conversations than the most people may expect. However, it taught me that people are different. You started realizing that people that you thought would understand didn't understand the way you thought they did. So it taught me patience, like I was saying. It taught me that different scenarios, situations, and upbringings bring for different ways that people think they should make solutions and because of that i learned that i don't argue with people that aren't ready to make a difference to to change to problem solve and to see people in a different light and if you're just unwilling to listen how can you be a part of the solution and speaking of solutions i at work i'm part of this diversity and inclusion uh, workforce and we have i don't even know if i can say all this but you know it is what it is. We are trying to figure out different ways of how to address the, the social inequalities and the things that we see internally and externally. I wanna say I've I worked at a, at a place that has been nothing but exceptional to me and I've never faced any type of discrimination. And I promise that's not the lawyers making me say that, that's just who I am. But um, I've just been really thankful to realize that I work with a great group of people but in a way, I still got a reality check in both positive and, and negative ways, or should I say not negative, but revealing ways. And it was, I had a lot of deep conversations with people, you know, that didn't look like me. I work at in Austin. Once again, if you know, you know, and it gets draining sometimes, but it, it was very purposeful for me to be able to enlighten those people because I want to be a person that people can come to and they realize hey, 
he's going through this, he may be going through this, I may be going through this, we're going through this together. Even though we're different, we're still a part of the same team. And so that was really great for me. Uh, I realized that, and Big Sean said this, not seeing eye to eye could be fixed with a heart to heart. And so I took that personal, I started to have a lot of heart to hearts with people because it was in my heart to be able to, to reach into what they didn't know and turn that ignorance in, into change. And that was really something that I was, that God put on my heart to, to be a soldier in that, in that front. Yeah, it was draining, yeah, it was hard, but it's just who I am and I wouldn't have it any other way. But I can't lie to you, like I said, it was draining. And then on top of that, come on, man, we were, we were going through a pandemic, social and racial inequalities, but if you know anything about me, no sports, come on, G. I had nothing that I could fall back on and, and kind of cope and get away from everything that was happening. I didn't have sports to fall back on. And this is the first time in my life that I dealt with, and we're gonna dive into this, we're gonna do real. First time I ever dealt with chronic depression. And I didn't even know what that was. I know it runs in my family. But I had never experienced that. I even told Joy, I said, is it possible to be a happy a happy person going through depression? Because I wake up happy, but I, I wake up and I, and I wasn't able to be functional for, for about almost two months. And that was new and rare for me. And, and I only knew that because it started to affect me physically. See, I'm a person I'm able to go to sleep and stay asleep. I'm a night owl. I'm actually recording this late at night. I'm a night owl, but I'm able to sleep beyond 6 a.m., 6, 7 a.m., unless I got a meeting in the morning, I'm able to sleep. But I couldn't this time. Every time 6 o'clock would roll around, 5 o'clock would roll around, no matter what time I went to sleep, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I would just wake up randomly. And then I would just feel this racing feeling in my heart, almost like a panic attack. And I would be able to calm down, but it was rare. It, it was different for me. And you may be asking, well, what triggered this? Look, I suffer, and I know this now, but I didn't always know this, because I suffer from fear of abandonment. And as a strong black male, sometimes we don't like to admit that, but I ain't got no qualms in doing so. Look, I'm a person that's very loyal. I love heart. If you know and you've been close to me, you know that about me. And so when I let someone in and, and I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that they're taken care of and I'm making sure that I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm making sure that I'm validating their feelings and, and, and always thinking about how to grow with someone. And then they suddenly leave and I didn't do anything wrong and they didn't do anything wrong. That hurt. That, that, that depression was deep because that depression took, took me over like a wave of doubt and grief. And I can't swim. And I was drowning. I was drowning. And then on top of that, I was trying to apply to MBA schools and I wanted to move into a home. And so when that hit me on top of everything else that's been happening in 2020, guys, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat and I'm a diabetic. I have to eat. So literally it was killing me. My, my sense and my emotional battle, the battle with, with fear of abandonment overwhelmed me and I had never felt like that in my life. 
it was terrifying because I could not function. I couldn't. I would go to meetings. I would do the projects that I had to do. But even then it was hard and I would just crash. I would crash like a wave on my floor, in the bed, on the couch. I just didn't want to be awake, but I couldn't sleep. It was a miserable cycle, miserable. So there was a point where I just said, okay, Ryan, we're gonna sit in these emotions, sit in this, what we're feeling, but how are we going to climb out of this? Sometimes you have to sit in the valley and wait for the fog to clear before you can determine that you're gonna to get to the top of the mountain. And that's what I did, I started over, just like I used to do back in high school. I'd stay up late, listen to music, just kind of lay there and let my brain freestyle and freeform think. And I started listening to stories and, and sitting out by the lake, Lady Bird Lake, shout out to Lakeshore in Austin. And I just sit, would sit there late at night, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and just let my mind marinate because I knew it was something that my mom was trying to tell me. That's how my mom works. It was trying to tell me that I was trying to fight through something for a reason. Like I said, I had to disconnect to reconnect with myself. And as I started to do that, I started talking to people, branching out, talking to my CLG, talking to Lori, talking to Joy, talking to all the beautiful people that I have in my life. And quickly I started to realize I started to try to control the situation with this person. I started to try to control the situation of me getting into MBA school, controlling other people's thoughts, other people's opinions. I wanted to be able to do that and I had to re-realize that. Guys, we're not in as much control as we think we are in life. We only can control how we react to life. We can't always determine the outcome. Look, I know y'all seen AD hit that jumper last night against the Denver Nuggets. But if he would have shot that same shot and missed, he had no control over if that ball went in or not. He only can control what happened while it was in his hand. If it would have rimmed out, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And sometimes we have to realize that we're all control freaks. Sometimes we have to give that up. Some people say you gotta give it to the Lord. Some people say you gotta give it to whatever you believe in. Sometimes you just give it up and charge it to the game. But me, I had to stop and, and really be prayerful and, and, and meditate and be intentional about what I could control. What was in front of me? Like this, I can control this setup. I can control this studio. But I can't control how you feel about it when you listen. I can't control how you, how this makes you feel. And for me, that's scary, is being vulnerable. That's vulnerability is the unknown. You don't know what people or something's gonna be. But when you start to really understand that, that's not for you con to control, you realize you have nothing to be afraid of. You only can do what you can do. Everything else is, well, that's on them, whoever them may be in your life. So once I started to remember that, I remembered that it's okay not to be okay. And I realized me not having control over every situation and circumstance was really the best thing that could happen to me because it once again freed my mind to be able to be me. Look, 
I know y'all heard the term black boy joy, but for a while in July and August, I was black boy, no joy. But like I was saying, it was one of the best things that, that happened to me. And I'm, I'm grateful for the people in my life that poured into me and, and reiterated that and validated that and confirmed that, Brilliant, you're, you're great and you're going to be great. Just continue to be who you are. You're doing the right things and let the cards fall while they may. You cannot control the outcome of everything, but you can control how you react. You can not control everyone's feelings, but you can control your own. To an extent, at least, right? So, like I said, I had to slow down and I had to be still. I laid in my bed and would just let my mind relax. Because in all honesty, when you start to realize and give yourself that time to breathe, you realize you have things going on in the back of your head that you can't get to the forefront until you shut off and give what's going on here, the things that you see in front of you every day, you have to quiet that down so that you can hear the thoughts in the back of your head. So I know many of you are already wondering, well, how do you get the thoughts that are marinating in the back to really start cooking in the front? Well, for me, it's all about working smarter, never harder. Work smart, not hard. It's a life model we live by and you work based on how you feel. A lot of people don't understand this. You gotta be in the right mood to be able to do great work. A lot of people just do work just to do work, just the fact that, just to say they're doing work, just to stay busy. And let me tell you something, when I learned how to be still and to meditate and be intentional with every move that I would make, it, make, it made doing projects and tasks that would take 12 hours to do, I was able to cut that down and do it in one or two hours because my mind was able to free, freely think and freely come up with creative ideas and creative solutions versus when I would just be mind static and just have a whole bunch of rambling thoughts in my head, but I never quieted what was going on around me. I never silenced all the things that I had going on around me to allow the things, the creative processes in the back of my mind to come to the forefront. And once I did that, you just you just really have to be in tune with your inner self to really execute on that level. And like I said, I talk about the three R's, reset, regroup, and recalibrating. That's what I did for myself. I would go out to the lake and I would just take those times just to reset, recoup, and recalibrate. It's done wonders for me so far. I cannot explain just the revelations and the creative ideas I come up with. Um, even, even this podcast, a lot of these things was just sitting in my bed and taking 30 seconds every morning and every night just to go, okay, what's the next step? And a lot of things that I'm doing in life and my next steps are going to be done with that intentional meditational uh, process. And I think if anyone wants to talk to me about it, please hit me up because I would love to be able to discuss with you because it's such an important process that I think a lot of people at our age, they're just wrapped up in instant gratification that they don't realize that you gotta quiet all the noise so you can hear your, your own inner thoughts and your own inner spirit talking to you. One thing that I thought was beautiful about this whole process was, it wasn't like I was always seeing 
uh, at just new things and new areas in my life. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna move to Norway or something like that. It was seeing the same things and the same goals that I had, but I saw them in a different light. I saw them in a different path. I saw the same, the paths were just illuminated better and I knew how to drive on the road better. I knew what steps to take, you know, versus did I want, at first it was a struggle between going to law school and MBA school. When I started to meditate and I started to realize where I wanted my path to go, I realized one option was better than the other. Also, if anyone has any great tips about going into uh, MBA school, I'm, I'm really trying to get into McCombs or, or somewhere um, that's, you know me, I, I like Texas, but Warden's got a good one, Duke's got a good one. So if, you, if any of y'all got the, uh, the hookups, hey, let your boy know. Uh, come on to the show and you know we can talk it out. But honestly, I think that's a good introduction to the real podcast. Like I said, the uh, upcoming shows will have hosts. We have a whole host of entrepreneurs, artists, creatives, from painters to photographers, a lot of small businesses. Going to get a lot of good pub out here. But one thing I just want to say is thank you all again, all of y'all that poured into me, all of y'all that reached out to me, all of y'all that supported and made this comeback be as strong. Michael retired when he had three rings. Well, it's time for your boy Bill to go get three more rings, right? I'm back for greatness. And we need people to be real. We need people to share the reality. So what's your real? What is your R-E-A-L? I think this is where I'm going to sign off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me on social media. Once again, just underscore billing. Shameless pug. Follow us at The Real Podcast. And until, until next time, peace. We out. Have a good time. Enjoy life. It's um, life is too short to, to, to get bogged down to be discouraged, or um, you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Smile and just keep on rolling.